Girlfriends, episode number 85, Keeping the Lord's Day Holy. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, we're talking about taking time off when you need to, starting school, and how to keep the Lord's Day holy. It's time to get started. Here we go. Hey, girlfriends. How are you? I'm back, and I missed you guys. Thank you for being patient with me when I took some time off last week. I really had every intention of recording episode 85 last week um, on Monday, and it just did not happen. I have had, <laughs> as I'm sure you have, so many different things pulling me in so many different directions these days, and I had an extra project with my work for the magazines that I publish, and it just, I mean, it just piled and piled, and all of a sudden I realized I'm feeling super stressed about getting this podcast done. And I realized how ironic that is because I'm always here preaching to you guys about how to prioritize, how to balance, how to take time off when you need to, making time for yourself, all of that, how to say no, right? So I was like, okay, I'm going to just um, preach with my example right now. And I'm going to not record an episode this week, which was hard for me because it's actually the first time I've done that, like without it being planned, like I, I took time off um, a week off over the holidays last year and whatnot. But I really it's important to me to be consistent with the podcast. So um, it's important to me to connect with you on a regular basis. So anyway, I appreciate your understanding. And some of you sent me little notes, which was sweet saying I'm so proud of you for doing that. <laughs> so I felt affirmed. And it really was the right thing to do. Um, because even with doing that, I just had a crazy start of the week last week. And that's okay. Some weeks are like that. And especially this time of year, I bet you're feeling it. Um, whatever's going on in your life. This is a time of year that just things change and school starts and um, big kids come and go and all of that's going on. So um, yeah, the previous episode I had talked to you about, so this is two weeks ago, giving yourself some emotional space to kind of process things if you know you're going through something. And I felt like I was with my boys leaving and the start of the school year. So that was also part of my um, decision-making process last week. Just needed to give myself that space. So anyway, that way you all missed my drama <laughs> of my boys leaving. And I did fine. I was fine. Uh, I shed some tears and whatever, but I was mostly fine. And Ambrose made it safely to Florida. So thanks be to God for that. And uh, I just picked up Eamon yesterday uh, at the airport in Boston because he was back from his trip to the Holy Land and he made it safe and sound. He had a very good trip. It was all that he anticipated it being and more. So that's great. Um, he still has lots of pictures to share, but he barely got home, packed up his car and left for school. So he's kind of having a little bit of a crazy time. I'm sure he's feeling it this morning as well. So I'm recording this early on Monday morning, sitting out in my car as I do to get away from the dogs mostly. And uh, it's freezing. Is it cold where you are? It is freezing here in New Hampshire, especially in the evening and early in the morning. So you really feel that shift in the season, um, which I actually love. I mean, I love summer and I will never complain about the heat in summer. I love it. I 
really. I mean, I, I like living where we have seasons, but if I had to choose to, to live in, you know, a place with four seasons or a place with super long summers, I might just choose the summers. But I do love the fall too. And I, I love the feeling of change. And it's always very refreshing when you can have this little bit of cold. And, but it comes with a little bit of sadness too, because like I said, this is a tough time of year, especially when you've got kids who are leaving and school starting and, that feeling of transition is just a little bit hard, I think. But I do love the colder weather. I do love to be able to get outside and work out in the colder weather. Oh, and speaking of working out, I actually have been doing that. <laughs> I shared with you also a couple of weeks ago how I'd kind of fallen out of routine and it was hard for me to stick to a healthy eating plan and it was hard for me to stick to my regular workouts. And I've been really um, working on that Um not to the point where I'm stressing myself out over it, but it's been working more. Uh, my life is settling down a bit, I think. I'm able to, to manage regular routines and, you know, all the good stuff that comes with that. In fact, I realized that it had been a while since I did, you know, like three days in a row of working out and I really felt it last night. I was pretty sore. And at one point when I, I walked across the room, Dan asked me, are you limping? I was like, no, it's not limping. I'm just my legs are really sore. If any of you want a, a good leg workout, I have one. I put it together myself over the years from different things that I like from different programs. It's like a half hour weights workout and it's a killer. It's a deadly killer. Anyway, so I hope you're getting into a routine too. Um, is school started for you? Some of you down south, I think started like weeks ago. So you're probably wondering what on earth I'm talking about back to school. But here, you know, college has started for the most part. Um, but kids going to high school, my my big kids who go to high school aren't starting till tomorrow. So they've got three days this week kind of easing into the school year. So th three days, then they have Friday and Monday off and then get into the regular routine after that. So um, still a little bit of shifting and change going on, but mostly good. And I think we're mostly ready for the school year. We even did the shopping. Have you been school shopping? Oh my gosh. I usually like shopping but I don't like shopping with kids. I don't like shopping for kids. I don't like shopping for teenagers who are with you and rolling their eyes about everything you suggest and who only want the $60 pair of jeans when there's a perfectly good pair for half that amount at a different store. But you know what? I remember being on the other side of this equation too, and my mom just didn't get it and how important these things were. So I'm trying to be a little bit understanding, but for things that are crazy, like my son, Stephen, um, he had his heart set on this Under Armour backpack, which was $70, $70 for a backpack. I mean, it looks very nice and everything, but I just wasn't willing to do that. So um, he has some money that he earned this summer. So we, we split the cost on that because it was that important to him to get the Under Armour backpack. And he's going to look so cool with that thing. <laughs> I guess he is. I don't know. <laughs> what do I know about cool backpacks? Anyway, um, so this week, um, we're talking about a day of rest. We're going to talk about the Sabbath. Do you keep the Sabbath holy? This is something that I've given a lot of thought to over the years and tried to be good about. And I kind of I kind of go back and forth on what we do on Sundays. And anyway, I just thought I, I don't have any expert ideas to share with you, but I thought maybe I'd share some of my thoughts and maybe encourage you to share some of your own for how you do that. How do you keep holy the Sabbath? How do you keep that commandment? Because it is a commandment. We can't just ignore it. And I think that's the number one thing I want to say here today is that our culture, 
would have us ignore it, right? I mean, our culture is all about productivity and working every minute and, you know, working 70 hours a week and working through your weekend, never taking a break from your email and all of that. Um, but that's not what God tells us. God tells us to rest on the seventh day. God tells us to rest on the Sabbath. And God himself set the example, right? God rested after creating the world. So what what does that example tell us? I mean, God knows us because he made us. He knows that we're made for that, that we need that, that we need that day of rest and that it's something that's good for us. So rather than looking at it as this burden, like, oh, okay, I can't, I can't get anything done on Sunday. Like I always think of those, um, the little house books that describe like Almanzo as a little kid and how restrictive Sundays were and they had to just sit still and somebody read from a book in the living room and they couldn't even move and you know, that's horrible. I don't think Sundays need to feel like a prison, but they're really, it's a great gift that God insists that we take time off, that God insists that we rest. But what does that look like? What does that look like in today's world where nothing stops and nothing ever closes and it's 24-7? Well, I mean, I think there's some easy ideas. So I'm just going to share four different thoughts um, about how how to set the day apart. And ultimately, I think that should be our goal. Sunday shouldn't feel like every other day. And And, you know, God doesn't intend it to. And there are easy ways that you can kind of set it apart. And the first way is, um, of course, of course, going to Mass. Now, you might go to Mass on Sunday evening or you might go to Mass on Saturday evening. um, But most of us are going on Sunday. And, you know, the Catechism tells us, like, the, the Eucharist is the source and the summit of our Christian life. Well, do you act like it is or do you act like, let's get this hour long thing out of the way? And get on with our lives, you know. Um, I know I've been guilty of that. Like, we're I'm just focused on other things, and that's just one more thing we need to do. But think of it as the source and the summit of your Christian living, your family life, and you might just treat it differently at that point. You know, um, you, you set it apart. You you make a big deal about the fact that you're going. You you know you you might dress up for it. This is something we've gone back and forth with over the years. I used to super dress up the kids and, um, you know, and, and I love that. I love that. But it got more, more and more challenging as the kids got older and they had their own ideas about what to wear. For sure, I'm still insisting that they wear decent clothes and um, the girls don't have to wear a dress, but it's like, you know, not, not like jeans and sneakers kind of situation. Um, but I've gotten a little more casual about that. And I, I tend to wear a skirt on Sundays too, or nice pants if I'm going to wear pants. But, you know, that's one way in, you know, you don't necessarily have to be super strict about it, but wearing nice clothes to go to mass, talking with your kids. Um, I know this is something I've done with great success with younger kids is reading the readings together before you go to mass. Um, you might do it on Saturday to prepare for mass, or you might do it in the morning. I know that I, I'm, I'm laughing at myself because that's ridiculous, right? <laughs> Maybe if you're going to a noon mass, you could manage to do it in the morning. But if you've got little kids and you're trying to get out the door for a morning mass, you're probably not going to be pausing to read the the prayers or, or the readings. So, you know, good for you if you do though. Um, but, you know, so preparing yourselves um, for, for the mass and making that mass really like the highlight of your week, what you're, what you're looking forward to, what you're leading up to, what's going to feed you through the rest of the week, really just kind of treating it that way. Um, so of course, going to mass sets Sunday apart. Um, but in addition to that, and like I said, you may not even go to mass on, on Sunday morning. Um, there are different times, of course, that you're able to go and meet your Sunday obligation, but, um, you can always add prayer to your, your Sunday, whether it's, um, 
maybe at your, your family meal, and that's going to be my next suggestion, the meal, um, but maybe praying something additional together, um, whether it's just even adding something like a memorare to your day uh, because it's Sunday. I, I think, you know, kids really respond to these kinds of routines, and I find that they tend to hold you accountable for them. Like if you announce, this is something we're going to do every Sunday. Um, for me, once I do that, I am doing that every Sunday because the kids are going to make sure that I do. Um, so that's kind of one way that you can kind of do that. Um, so, or, you know, add, add different prayers to, to your Sunday. If you're a singing kind of family, which we are not, um, you might add some kind of hymns or, you know, singing psalms together. Uh, I know some families really enjoy doing that sort of thing together, but something that makes Sunday feel different. And it, it's a day of worship. It's a day set apart for God. So it's easy to do that if you add some form of prayer to your day in addition to the mass. So um, that's one way that you can do that. And number two, I mentioned the family meal. Sunday dinners are awesome, okay? And family meals are awesome. And maybe you do eat dinner together as a family all week long, um, but you can still make Sunday's dinner different. You can make it a little bit fancier. Maybe you put out a nice tablecloth. Maybe you light candles. You know, something that doesn't have to be a huge burden on you, but just sets the day apart. Um, you know, having having people come over, making it kind of a big deal. This is something I recommitted to um, last year because I'd gotten out of the routine of making a, a, a special Sunday dinner. And um, I recommitted to it and, you know, invited uh, Dan's dad to come once a week and put some extra effort into what I was making, which I enjoy anyway. This wasn't a big burden for me. So if you don't enjoy putting on a big to-do with your Sunday dinner, don't do that, okay? You know, you can get takeout or you can make some simple dinner, but there are ways that you can kind of emphasize it as a time of getting together. You know, in addition to going to mass that you have this time together as a family, it kind of sets the day apart if you're having a different kind of meal, a different kind of gathering. Or it can be something as simple as having a special dessert on Sundays. I know some families that don't do dessert throughout the week, but they do dessert on Sundays. I mean, that's great. My kids really notice Sundays because we take Sundays off from Lent, um, and they usually give up sweets for Lent. So Sundays are a day where we make sure we have a dessert and they can enjoy that. So that really sets Sundays apart. Um, but if you enjoy baking, maybe you're going to bake something special. Um, choose Sunday to do it so that it sets it apart. But if you don't enjoy that, you know, do the traditional get donuts after mass. Um, when I was a kid, I remember so vividly that after church, we would get coffee and donuts like downstairs, you know, in the basement of our church. And that, that's a really easy way. If your parish does that, that's nice. Um, you can do that. And it makes Sunday different. And it gives you the opportunity to get together with other people. And that's, you know, in a, a communal way through shared food, which is such a human thing. You know, it's so human that this is how Jesus gives us the gift of the Eucharist is through a shared meal. He knows this. It's it's ingrained in us. This is how we connect with one another. Um, so doing that in a special way on Sunday can really kind of set the day apart without being too burdensome to you. Okay, the third idea I have for how to keep the Sabbath holy, how to set Sundays apart, is not doing your regular work. Okay, this is the part where we start to feel burdened, like, oh, I only have two days off where I can get caught up on, you know, everything around the house, especially if you work outside the home. I know there's this huge temptation to see Sunday as an opportunity to get caught up on that stuff, right? Start scrubbing the floors and cleaning the bathrooms and getting caught up on laundry or whatever it is that bothers you that you're not getting to throughout the week. So I do find that this is sometimes difficult. 
I know it's ridiculous to say it's a sacrifice to not do your laundry, but, um, but making an effort here, I think really bears good fruit. You know, the laundry is going to be there Monday morning. It's, it waits for you. This is something I have learned about housework and other kinds of chores. They wait for you. If you don't get to them, that's fine. They're going to be there <laughs> when you get back to them. Um, so, you know, just, and you don't have to be super strict about this. You don't have to be, um, scrupulous about this and, you know, think like, oh, if my shoe comes untied, can I tie my shoe on the Sabbath? I mean, something ridiculous like that or, or, you know, the equivalent of that, you know, kind of, picking, nitpicking in your head about what you can do on the Sabbath and what you can't do. I mean, don't turn it into an issue like that. Um, but just examine yourself. Like, am I treating Sunday like every other day or am I setting it apart? Am I noticeably setting it apart as a day of rest or am I not doing that? And there's some forms of work, um, like yard work comes to mind that maybe you do on a Sunday and you do it together as a family and it's actually enjoyable. And I think that's totally okay. Um, it's just not doing your regular drudgery. And for me, that often means like I don't open my laptop on Sundays because my regular work drudgery, um, you know, is not so much about the housework that, that bothers me not getting to it, but it's like my work, you know, um, whether it's for my ministry, um, with daniellebean.com or if it's, you know, with my work that I do for Catholic Digest as a publisher, I don't, I don't read my emails. I try not to open that app on my phone. Like, and you know what? The funny thing about emails is I've discovered you set other people's expectations for how you respond to them. If you always respond immediately when someone emails you on a Sunday, well, they're going to expect that and you're going to feel that pressure when you get an email from them. But if you have set an expectation just by not responding on Sundays, not being available to work coworkers on Sundays, they're going to learn that. And it's fine. I mean, I have, I have experimented with this and I know from working with other people that there are some people that I know will reply to me on a Sunday and that I can get information from on a Sunday. And then I, there are other people who have trained me, like they're not available on Sunday and I want to be one of those people. So, um, you should make that your goal too. If you, if you work outside the home or even if it's through, you know, some volunteer work or something that you do that's work, avoid it on Sunday, train other people to the fact that you're not going to be responding on Sunday. You're not available on Sunday. So um, a great example of this is um, uh, this awesome guy who is the designer, the art designer for Catholic Digest. His name is Ted. And I've worked with him for years. And he does not work on Sunday. And it doesn't matter what kind of deadline we have. That's the way he functions. And I love that. I mean, I think it's so important, especially that, you know, he works around the clock all week long. And so the fact that he respects that time as the Lord's day and time for his family, I think is really admirable. And I totally respect it. And I will never resent, you know, him not working on a Sunday to meet a deadline. Those things are not important. I know we have deadlines and they feel like they're important and stuff will impose on our Sundays. But, you know, in the big picture, it's not important. You know, I sometimes have to tell myself when I'm getting stressed about work and feeling tempted to do it on a Sunday, like I'm not performing brain surgery here. I'm not saving people's lives. You know, we publish magazines and that's great. And they're good magazines and I'm proud of them. But it's not life or death kind of stuff here. I, you know. Um, and you know, it depends on the atmosphere that you work in, but sometimes your, your work culture will kind of pressure you to feel like stuff is life or death that isn't, but give yourself that reality check and give yourself that break to take Sunday 
off from your regular stuff that, you know, your, your regular work. And I think you'll really find that you'll enjoy Sundays and you'll look forward to Sundays and they'll feel special and nice and good to you in a way that they don't if you treat it just like any other day of the week. Okay. So my next thought, um, so first going to mass and adding prayer, sharing a meal together, not doing your regular work. Um, my, my fourth idea is to do some work, do some good thing on Sundays. So not your regular work, but do something good. And it might mean visiting somebody. Um, it might mean inviting somebody over. It might mean, you know, this could be just a very personal challenge for you. Just talking to somebody after mass, um, spending some time listening to, you know, what's on their heart, what's on their mind, really connecting with somebody. Um, it might mean visiting your grandma. I mean, Sundays are, you know, traditionally a day of visiting family and getting together with families, but it might mean inviting that uncle over that you never see and don't think about too much. Um, or inviting another family over to share that Sunday meal that you're having together. But, really a time of connecting, but look for a way to do some good work, some good, unusual work, you know, not good work scrubbing your floors. Okay. We talked about that. Don't do that. But some, some good work visiting somebody, maybe writing a letter to somebody, maybe thanking somebody, maybe making um, a special gift for somebody. I, I know I'm not a crafty mom, but I know some crafty moms who do crafts on Sundays and encourage their kids to like do the crafts as a way of, you know, creating gifts for other people and thinking about other people. And then they give them those gifts during the coming week. I think that's great. Just looking for a way to do something different. That's good. Um, and that might look different, you know, depending on what your, your talents and abilities and opportunities are, but give some thought to like, what good could I do today? You know, and, um, it, it might mean, you know, making a, a charitable gift of some kind, but, more often than not, I think the the most good we can do is give the gift of ourselves, of our time and our attention to other people. So we all have people in our lives who are lonely. We all have people in our lives who feel disconnected. And reaching out to those people on a Sunday especially can be a really beautiful way to kind of keep the day holy. So those are my four ideas. So um, going to Mass and maybe adding some more prayer to your day. Uh, sharing a meal together or having a special kind of food that sets the day apart, not doing your regular work, your regular stuff for your job or your housework, and then adding some good work that you do, especially because it's Sunday. In addition to that, another thought um, that came to mind as I was putting together the notes for this show is um, fasting from some kind of a noise. You know, Sundays are supposed to be a day of feasting, not fasting, right? But fasting from something that maybe distracts you from God and family would be a great idea to do on a Sunday. I have never dared do this, but I have been so tempted and maybe I will try this because I'm talking about it now. Um, fasting from your phone or from screens on Sunday as a family. I know some families who do this. I could never get away with making my family fast from screens altogether because NFL. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to try to fight the NFL in my household. That is just, that's not a battle I'm going to win. But, uh, so, but you know what, actually football, as much as people roll their eyes about it, people that aren't football fans and think it's, it's too much and our culture's too crazy about it. Yeah, I, I agree with all of that. But in our family, um, it's been a really good thing a lot of the times. Uh, sometimes I do wish my husband and especially my big boys didn't care quite so much about the Pittsburgh Steelers, but 
it's a challenging when they have a bad day. And I'm like, does this mean we all have to have a bad day? Because some, you know, bunch of rich, famous, talented athletes didn't win a game. Like they, they're still living pretty good lives. Can't we have a good day? But, um, I'm, I've learned to understand it. it. It's so much more than a game to them. And, um, yeah, I said I've learned to understand it. No, I don't understand it, but I've learned to accept it. <laughs> and um, they accept weird things about me and that they don't fully understand. And so I'm willing to do that, too. Anyway, like I said, I'm not going to fight the NFL. But watching football on a Sunday definitely sets Sunday apart, I think, in a good way most of the time in our household. Because then we will have people over to watch the game together. Then I will make a special meal or special snacks um, for, you know, celebrating the game or enjoying the game together. And it does set Sunday apart. And for the most part, you can use those kinds of opportunities to kind of enrich your family life and set Sunday apart. But that said, I know some families that completely fast from screens on Sundays, and I think that is amazing. And uh, a great idea. If you think you can possibly pull that off, go for it. But, you know, if you can't, that doesn't mean you can't do some lesser form of it. You're in control of whether or not you're on your phone on Sunday or if you're, you know, um, or if you let your kids play certain video games on Sunday or whatever it is. Um, I find that our time together as a family and my focus on the people in my life and on my spiritual life is nothing but improved when I put my stupid phone away. And um, we try to convince ourselves that we're not letting it distract us from those things, but it's just not true, at least in my case in the long term. I am nothing but benefited and everybody in my life is nothing but benefited if I put my phone away for a time. So um, that's my challenge to you. Put your phone away next Sunday. Just don't, don't, carry it around. Don't have it in your back pocket. Put it somewhere where it's inconvenient to get to it. Like if you're with your family, you know, in the kitchen making a meal or sharing a meal in the dining room or watching a football game in the living room, whatever it is, like put your phone upstairs somewhere far away where you're not going to get to it and be staring at that instead of really connecting with your family on Sunday. So that's just one final thought. But maybe you have some ideas for how to set apart the Sabbath how to make Sundays holy, how to focus on God and family like God tells us to, how to truly find rest and refreshment and recreation, recreate, right? Renew yourself on Sundays. It's what God commands us to do. So if you have ideas, I would love it if you would share them with me. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com. You can connect with me on Voxer or you can go to daniellebean.com and click that little tab in the corner that says leave voicemail. I would love to hear from you and add your voice to a future episode of Girl friends. And now before we move on, I just want to take a moment to thank those of you who support the Girlfriends podcast through Patreon. For those of you who aren't familiar with it, Patreon is a simple system that allows you to pledge as little as a dollar per episode. And it's a great way for you to show your appreciation and real support for the Girlfriends podcast. It encourages me to continue to produce the show week after week. Your support is so meaningful to me. It really means more than you know. So thank you so much for doing it. And for those of you who might consider becoming a Patreon supporter of the Girlfriends podcast, you can check out all the information at patreon.com forward slash girlfriends. I also want to thank Ascension Press for partnering with me to bring you this podcast. You can check out all of their podcasts and other Catholic media that entertains, inspires you, and educates you about your Catholic faith at ascensionpresents.com. Okay, moving on to some feedback that I received this 
past week. Actually, it's been more than a week because I took a week off. Um, but I heard from Ashley, who I've known for a long time online and kind of followed her story. So I was really touched to find out that she's a dedicated girlfriend's listener and that she had some thoughts to share on our recent topic. So here's what Ashley wrote to me. Hi, Danielle. I love your podcast. I find your voice so positive and upbeat and love all the healthy living motivation complete with honesty when you're off track. So relatable. So like Debbie, I'm discerning pregnancy too, except mine is not adding another child to our family. But if we can handle another crushing loss. Last year, I lost babies at 21 and 20 weeks in April and November. Doctors aren't sure, but said it's likely to happen again. Not 100%, but likely. So two things. One, if you ever want to talk about small family size in the Catholic world, I welcome it. There's so much assuming and judgment that comes when you have, quote unquote, only two kids as a Catholic. I'm the oldest of five kids and my parents who had seven and 13 siblings. I grew up hearing that small families were sad and selfish. That's so sad to me. I've seen that mentality elsewhere in some Catholic circles, and it always hurts. I think in the enthusiasm for big families, the mentality of bigger is better prevailed. As a result, I'm struggling to feel like less of a mom since I have less kids. Any attention you pay to this group of people who might have small families due to infertility, loss, or perhaps getting married later in life would be welcome. And two, any advice you have for figuring out whether to risk another devastating loss, which is hard for my kids too, I also welcome. I want another kid, but not more loss. Going through four to five months of pregnancy and giving birth all to not even have a baby, it's hard. I also love all the stuff about being countercultural and not caring so much about what others think. I really struggle with that in homeschooling, worried that people will think we're weird, trying to be better than them, etc. So it was comforting to hear that you've been struggling with being different too. Good to not feel alone. And I loved all the disclaimers on raising your kids Catholic that there are no guarantees. My mom has three out of five kids still Catholic and she did everything right. Nightly rosaries, family CCD, tons of retreats and volunteering and great warm family life. I've learned that staking one's sense of worth and success on whether their kids stay Catholic can be really hard if they don't. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay, this is crazy long, so I'll stop. Thanks for all you do. I'm sure it's a lot of work, and I appreciate it. Your openness and vulnerability has been a huge help to me and to my spiritual life, Ashley. Thank you so much, Ashley. And speaking of openness and vulnerability being a gift, truly, you sharing your loss um, with us here through this note and also the ways in which you've, you've shared it on your blog and at social media. Um, and you know, I've, I followed your story mostly through Twitter, which is where I tend to connect with you. Um, such, such a devastating loss for you two different times inside of a year and just so unbelievably difficult. What a huge cross, what a huge challenge, what a huge burden. And I, I thank you for sharing that perspective, especially with talking about discerning family size, because um, yours is a different perspective for sure, but it's not unheard of. And I know many women who've had multiple miscarriages, perhaps not quite in the same really devastating way that you've experienced it with later pregnancies, late late in your pregnancy, um, where you truly do, you are truly pregnant for months. Um, and you know, feel that, that loss after that and have no baby to show for it. And your body's still healing and recovering from pregnancy in that way. Um, but I know some women have had multiple, multiple, multiple miscarriages and are struggling with that idea of, you know, do I still remain open to life? What, what a, what a, difficult and challenging thing to have to discern, to have to think about that. Can I take another loss so hard? And um, of course, I don't have 
words of wisdom for you. I don't have the right answer for you. And I don't even think you're asking me for that. But I appreciate you sharing that perspective. And I appreciate you pointing out that sometimes there's a lot of pain and suffering and a huge cross that you're carrying that's behind those small Catholic families. I I know it personally. I I know it with people that I I know and love. And it's such an important reminder to all of us to not be judging other people. And I know you're not making it up because I have seen it and I have heard it myself in really sad and devastating and hurtful ways, the kind of judgment that can come inside of Catholic cultures, inside of Catholic communities. Very sad and never never appropriate. You don't know what somebody else is going through. And it's important to remember that God has a different plan for each of us. God has a different plan for each of our families. We're not meant to be cookie cutters. And I think sometimes out of a sense of pride or even out of a sense of their own insecurity, people will place all their eggs in that basket. Like, well, we're doing it right because we've got, you know, X amount of kids or whatever it is. And, you know, I think it's just important. And I, I would encourage you, Ashley, to keep speaking up in that way. But then I think it's important for those of us who have larger families to be aware of that perspective and to be reminded not to judge, but then not even just not judging because maybe there are, you know, plenty of us who aren't going around judging other people, but not making assumptions in the things that you say or the way that you say them, maybe being sensitive to other people's perspectives, the fact that other people are hurting, that the fact that other people are longing for a child, longing for a larger family, and they're not able to have it for whatever reason. And there's a lot of suffering behind that situation. So my heart really goes out to you, Ashley. And I think as, um, you know, a community here at Girlfriends, I want to encourage all of us to hold Ashley in prayer during the coming week. Remember her and um, her trials and, you know, pray for God to give her the grace and strength she needs to make the best decisions for her family because we love you, Ashley. And, you know, thank you so much for sharing that that perspective and for sharing a little bit of, you know, a little peek inside of your life and sharing so beautifully and vulnerably about the kind of cross that you've been carrying inside of your Catholic family life. And next up, we heard from David again, once again, giving us the gift of his of sharing his male perspective with those of us here at Girlfriends. Hey, Danielle, David, good morning. Um, another great show. This is uh, Keeping Your Kids Catholic. Thanks for the topic and the thoughts. Uh, you should really do an interview with your dad uh, one time, or your mom, too. Uh, I think his story is just really neat. Um, sounds like a, a lot of fun. Uh, growing up with a philosopher for a dad. Um, with respect to the, the woman who's discerning, and I, her name escapes me, though, uh, I'm praying for her, maybe Debbie, um, who's discerning whether or not to have another child. Uh, one additional piece of advice, I would say, is to bring these scenarios, um, bring the scenarios to prayer, both having and not having um, a child and just imagining uh, another child and imagining how that will look and, and see um, where the spirit might lead you with respect to that. And I'm thinking in terms of kind of Ignatian consolation, desolation, um, you know, just prayerfully kind of discerning the movements of the heart. Um, you know, it sounds like it's a 50 50 call here. So uh, your advice was really great. Um, and thank you, thank you, thank you for not um, going into some unreasonable understanding of grave motives um, and, and, and getting into that whole conundrum of, you know, 
people being called to have as many children as they possibly can, unless it's going to drive them crazy or leave them destitute. I, I think that's a false read of uh, Catholic teaching in this regard, but uh, very prevalent, especially among people who are trying to be faithful uh, to the church's teaching on uh, the transmission of life. Uh, I also have one personal request. I'm uh, undertaking something uh, a little bit stupid this weekend and have signed up for a uh, 50-mile race up in Marquette, Michigan. Uh, so I'll spend all day Saturday uh, trying to complete that. Um, so if you would uh, say a prayer uh, for me and for the rest of the runners out there um, that we uh, uh, that we offer remember to offer it up when we can and uh, remember not to complain because this is something we signed up to do. Uh, I'll be sure and remember uh, you and all your listeners at the tomb of Venerable Bishop Barriga, who's uh, buried up there in Marquette, Michigan. Uh, thanks in advance for your prayers. Love the podcast. Love the Catholic Feminist um, interview as well. Uh, she's now on the playlist. So um, thanks again uh, for everything. Uh, have a great day. Bye. Thank you, as usual, David, for sending in your feedback um, and for your your thoughts on Debbie, who is discerning whether or not to have another child. But I mean, I think that your advice to take it to prayer is absolutely the only advice that we can give somebody in that situation, especially, you know, when you're not living in their shoes, that really just prayerfully discerning what's best is what all of us need to be doing with that regard. So very helpful. And yes, I did pray for you, David, because I got your message before your race. Um, but for those of you listening, David already had his race. It was last Saturday. And um, he updated me afterwards that it went well, but he was sore and that he prayed for us at uh, the tomb of Venerable Bishop Barrega. Um, so wonderful. Thank you so much for including us in that, David. Um, and I saw on social media that you survived and that you were sore. And I don't think it's stupid. I think it's crazy um, <laughs> to go on a, a 50 mile race. Um, but I don't think it's stupid at all. I think it's awesome to have goals like that. And I think it's awesome to do what, what other people might consider crazy things. And really, I, I really admire people who experience life in that way and want to experience life in that way. And even if it seems a little extreme, and even if you're sore the next day, now you've done it and you can say that you did it. And I think that's wonderful. And inside of the running community, I find that there are a lot of people who other people would say are crazy, kind of go, you know, extreme kinds of uh, personalities, extreme goals. But I think it's wonderful to get together with a community of people who can share those goals with you and do the crazy stuff. I, I, I'm really, I really very much admire that. And I'm glad that you made the time to do it and that you've recovered well. Now, before I wrap up here, I just want to mention some places that I'm going to be speaking, bringing my retreat, You're Worth It, to um, in the coming months. Um, I've Starting again with my fall schedule, I didn't do too much traveling this summer, and that has been a very good thing, but it's going to pick up again this fall. Um, if you're interested in having me come speak at your parish or bringing my Your Worth It retreat to your parish, to the women of your parish, um, you can get more information on that at my website, daniellebean.com. You can click on the speaking tab to find out more just about me as a speaker, maybe coming to a conference, maybe just coming to speak to your women's group, um, or to bring the Your Worth It retreat, you can um, go to 
daniellebean.com forward slash retreat and find out more about your worth it. Speaking of your worth it, um, Saturday, September 30th, I'm going to be in Carmel, Indiana at St. Elizabeth Seton Church. And I'm going to be doing the your worth it retreat for the women there. So I'll have a link in the show notes if you want to check it out. If you're anywhere in that area, I would love to meet you. And I would love for you to be able to experience the your worth it retreat with the women of your community. Um, then Saturday, October 21st, I'm going to be in Wichita. And I'm going to be part of the Together in Holiness conference. It's a couples conference that's happening there. I'll have the link to that in the show notes if you're anywhere in the area. Um, I love Kansas. I love the people of Kansas. I think you guys are awesome. I would love to meet you if you're anywhere in that area, if you can make it to Wichita. Then I'm going to be in Minnesota, Winona. Do you say Winona? Tell me how to say this thing. I mean, I've only had it in emails. I haven't had a phone call with these people yet. Um, but I'm going to be in uh, Winona, Minnesota for the women's conference there put on by the diocese on Saturday, October 28th. So um, love to meet all you Minnesotans at that one. And then um, November 4th, which is a Saturday, there's another Together in Holiness conference that's taking place in St. Augustine, Florida. So I'm going to be there. I'm going to be part of the, the speaker lineup for that event as well. So, um, you know, if you're anywhere in any of those areas, you could check out the links and you can register and sign up and get all the information about how to be a part of those day events. They're all just one day events that are happening in those places. You can get the links in the show notes for this episode at daniellebean.com. And like I said, if I'm not coming near you, if I haven't just listed someplace near you and you want to have me come near you, check out daniellebean.com forward slash speaking or daniellebean.com forward slash retreat. I would love the opportunity to come and meet the people of your community and bring them the your, your worth it message or be a part of your women's conference. And in the meantime, we can connect right here on Girlfriends. Thank you for being here this week. Thank you for tuning in and catching up with me. I always appreciate the fact that you take the time to listen to what I have to share here at Girlfriends and be a part of this community. Let's remember each other and especially Ashley in prayer during the coming week. And in the meantime, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a DanielleBean.com production. Know your worth, find your joy.